freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Oh, yes, and here we go with a Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, Seattle Sports app. You like the app? Does it crash on you? If it does, Justin will help. Don't worry about it. Send him a tweet, <laughs> at on air Justin. He's got you covered. That's kind of a big part of his job around here. It's kind of like tech support in addition to everything he does on the air and everything else. So. Tech support. Yeah, yes. tech support. Yes. Just, it's just a it's just a crucial part of what makes Justin Don't unique. Don't forget the part where I come to your house and do it for you, too. Well, I mean, let's start with just, you know, send you a tweet. And maybe you can fix it, but, you know, <laughs> remotely. But if you do need someone to come to your house and re-download it or help you, you know, update it or whatever the case may be, power cycle your phone. I don't know. Yes. Justin can do all those things for you. Maybe, like, fix a broken door or two while he's there. He can. Like, you know. By the way, you know what I'm told? I, I've, not, I've not asked her about this, but I'm told that there is a host at this station and that she is very very handy around the house a host at the station and she is very handy it's just what i'm told i i can't i can't speak to it i don't know it for a fact and i've never asked her about it but i've been told that one of the hosts at this station like not only is like fixing things, but like creating. Well, I think there's things. only one she that's. I'm just. Here. I don't know who it I'm is. Talking about Hey, Maura. I don't know. <laughs> I, hey, don't go there. That's not right. I'm trying to keep this a little, you know. But since you mentioned Stacy, thank you for doing so. Uh, she's going to have Geno Smith on her show today, along yeah. with Michael Bumpus. How about that? So uh, today at 11:30, you know. So we had Pete. She and Bump are going to have Gino, and then this afternoon, I think a little late, I think they're getting bumped a little bit because of the coup game, but uh, 6 o'clock, John Schneider on the station. So you're kind of getting all sides of this Gino Smith deal. We gave you Pete on, what was that, Tuesday? Yes. And then today you'll hear from Gino, and then later tonight you'll hear from John Schneider all on the station, and uh, all with, you know, sort of unique completely different takes on how to interview, et cetera. And I think that's one of the cool things about the station. So should be a really, really good day, 1130 and six o'clock for Geno Smith and for John Schneider. Interesting. I, I was sort of flipping around this morning, Justin, actually on one of the, uh, one of the email links that you sent yesterday, um, where SI.com was grading some of the major deals that have already taken place and they give the Seahawks an A minus or they just give the deal an A minus. I don't know from whose perspective they're looking, but okay. So they give it an A minus. What I found interesting though was that SI listed the deal as three years 75. They don't even bother with 3105. They call the deal three years 75, which is only 25 million a year, which, okay, I know we sort of got there over time and sort of extra reporting, but I thought it was interesting that that's how it was listed. So I went to, I, we still don't think we know whether it's Spotrack or Spotrack or whatever the heck that's called, but they keep salary cap information, et cetera. And they just straight up listed as three years 75, which is really fairly amazing to me. And by the way, they say there's only 30 guaranteed at signing and maybe there's another 10 guaranteed in year two. And that's it. Hmm. So yeah, that is different than different certainly than how it was originally reported. I'll tell you what at that at that at that rate, I'm probably with the man. That's an A minus. 
And I, I know I started off the show on Tuesday sort of, you know, not wild about how this came down, et cetera. But as I as I see all of those details, I just wanted to fully clarify. I think I sort of started to get there over the course of the show as things were coming down. I, I, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. Just straight up. That's a good deal. It's good for Gino. He's going to make it minimum $40 million over the rest of his career. Good for him. That's great. He deserves it, and in some ways, that is a reward for what he did in the past. You don't want to you don't want to reward players as a GM moving forward. You want to pay them for what they're going to do. But I think that's a, a very fair amount to give Gino over the next year or two, while while he gets to now have money in the bank that will keep him forever. Yeah, John great. Schultz, yes. Absolutely awesome. I could certainly do a lot with $40 million myself. <laughs> and so, uh, Gino, hey, hit me up, man. I could use a little bit of a loan. We were coming up on 10 years of the of, uh, anniversary of him being drafted. Did you see, to what you just said, uh, Jason Myers tweeted at Quandre Diggs and said, we got to teach him how to golf so we can take some of that money. <laughs> Is Quandre a golfer? Apparently. I assume that's why Myers tagged him. Yeah, that would make some sense. All right, so cool. So so I, I like the deal, obviously, from Gino's perspective and from the Seahawks. Dude, $40 million over a year or two? That gets spread out cap-wise so that there's never a big hit. We still don't know exactly what the cap hit is. Even Track doesn't have any of that information. So I'm kind of curious when we're going to get the rest of the info. We don't have it yet. But I got to tell you, I mean, that there are so many options that are now open to them because of the way all of this is is structured. So when the deal first came out, Michael Giannitti, who runs Spot Track, yeah. uh, did a this is how the Geno deal could break down, knowing the numbers we know. And he thought it would be about a 15 million dollar cap hit this year. That's very very reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it yeah. really now, I don't know what it does over the next couple of years, which honestly might be even more important, but if it's a total of 40 mil guaranteed and it's 15 this year, I guess I would assume it's t- like, you know, what's left after that 25 mil. So what? 12 and a half over each of the next couple of years. I mean, again, even if it's 15 and 10, that's all very, very reasonable. So, yeah, I, I, I like the way that looks from a Seahawks perspective. And, yes, it does give them opportunity to to dig in for this draft if there's somebody they like. I, I thought it was curious. I asked the people yesterday who they might want quarterback-wise if the Seahawks go in that direction. And no one's saying they are. I think there's a lot of sort of, in, in my mind, maybe to steal a uh, a segment from our buddy G. Scott, I think when we get closer to the draft next month, we're going to have to play this as scenarios because what you do at five certainly changes what you do at 20 and then what you do in the second round, right? So you're almost going to list out scenarios. It's like defensive player center, and then you get a quarterback in the second round or quarterback defensive tackle. And then you do this in the second round. So I think we're going to almost have to use this as scenarios because they have so many picks in the top two rounds. But just asking people, hey, who would you want at quarterback next year? Who would you want them to draft if they draft? And Anthony Richardson's kind of the runaway winner. I gave you four options. I said Richardson in the first round, because that's probably where you're going to need to take him. Levis also in the first round, because that's where you'd need to take him. Or I threw in Hendon Hooker, because we had some of that conversation yesterday in the second round, or other. And runaway winner, Richardson. People are enamored with just the size and strength and speed and everything else and not so much with the productivity. 
Interestingly, the person who he comps with most is Will Levis. And Levis was the lowest of anybody on this poll. Under 8% of people have any interest in Will Levis. They'd rather have Anthony Richardson, which is interesting to me, considering Levis has played the position a little bit more, et cetera. I, by the way, I might be with you. I mean, Richardson just exciting with that speed, but okay. And then by, second on this poll was, was Hendon Hooker. And so, you know, that by the way, a third of people are like, yeah, okay, second round. And I think to me that's about the risk-reward element of it. Right, I think we're all a little scared. Right, if you don't really want to like go all in on any of these guys, especially if it's not Bryce Young or even C.J. Stroud, who have sort of probably put themselves a cut above in at least their their combination of production and and talent. Here's my question: If you're gonna get a quarterback, should you mitigate risk and maybe play to try it again next year? Or should you say, if we're going to get a quarterback, let's get the quarterback, in which case you're either using the number five pick or, and I don't say this like I think there's much of a possibility of it happening, but I'll at least throw it out there. Do you say if you're going to get a quarterback this year, you should get Bryce Young? And go all, all in. You You got the capital to do it. If you want Bryce Young, you can do it. If you believe that Bryce Young is the guy and that he's head and shoulders above all of the other potential players in this draft, you could do it to get from five to one. I mean, it's not easy, and there's other teams that are trying to do it probably as well, but you have the advantage of the number 20 pick, which not everybody else has. I mean, I think if you believe in him like that, you do it, but it's hard to, from everything we've heard from Brock, it's hard for me to think. He's he's short, right? I mean, that's the one thing about him that's a problem. Yeah, It's just size. His mind, his arm, his running ability, all those things are there. It's just a matter of do you believe that a, you know, do you want to go down the road with another undersized quarterback, except this time doing it by giving up even more to try to get him? I'm not saying they do that. I, I don't know that they will, and I don't know that they should. But I just kind of put it out there. Like, if you want a quarterback, should you just go all in and say, all right, if we're going to draft in the top five, well, screw it. Let's get the guy that we think is absolutely the best. Yeah, you better be right. Better be right. That's absolutely. I mean, but isn't that already true at number five? You absolutely. better be right. Absolutely. So as long as you better be right, don't you want to give yourself and hedge your bets even more to be right? It's like playing craps, right? I mean, you once you're once you're there on six and eight, you better back up your bets, right? I mean, that's that's how you make money in craps. Otherwise, you know, you're sort of half in, as Mora was accusing me of the other day, fairly. Be all in. You want to be all in? Be all the way in. I don't know. Just a thought for you this morning. You say scared. If you scared, say you scared. I said scared, <laughs> and I said it with confidence. We'll give you everything you need to know, including a troubling situation for a Seattle legend last night. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, we saw Logan Gilbert after his first start. We were there and watched him, and he didn't look exactly happy about how it went. A couple days later, I would assume he felt a whole lot better after going three scoreless against the Dodgers yesterday. Struck out a pair, gave up just two hits in the game. Look, I wasn't worried, but it was still great to see, right? These young pitchers are so important to this season after a couple of iffy outings. I guess I would say it was just comforting to see. Scott Service actually pretty happy with some of his young pitchers. 
Yeah, there's been some pitching that has caught my eye, as it always does every spring. You know, some of the young guys we've heard a lot about, and I get a chance to see them for the first time, throwing the ball really well. Uh, I thought Bryce Miller's outing the other day was fantastic for a young guy to continue to progress the way he is. A couple of the lefties I've been impressed with. You know, Gabe Spire comes into this camp through an outstanding couple innings he's had so far. Uh, Saucedo's had a couple really nice innings, you know, out of him. So there's a lot to get excited about on the pitching side. Yeah, that's good. Those aren't names necessarily that we talk about every day, but some left-handed pitching would certainly help this team as they're trying to accomplish their goals. Uh, Mariners do finish in a 2-2 tie yesterday. Young center fielder Alberto Rodriguez, the hero, I guess. Here's the pitch to Rodriguez. Swing and a drive. Deep into the gap in right center field. Going and going, and this one is off the top of the wall. Rivas will score. Rodriguez a third. He's going to be waved in. The throw-in is cut off. And now Rodriguez will put on the brakes at third, go back to the bag. At third, he pumps his fists in the air, and the Mariners have tied it up at one-to-one here in the top of the ninth inning. This kid has been something. Alberto Rodriguez ties it. Yeah, by the way, it turns out it was actually a home run. They got together and figured that out a few minutes later, and uh, they led to one. They gave up one more run and finished up in a tie. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, developing situation uh, came out last night. Sonics legend Sean Kemp arrested for allegedly participating in a drive-by shooting in Tacoma in the afternoon. Responding officers have determined that an altercation took place between two parties in two different vehicles. One of the drivers apparently fired off several rounds at the occupants of another vehicle, and the victim vehicle fled the area. This morning, get more information. David Rose, Fox 13, reporting that sources close to Kemp tell him that he had some amount of property stolen from him, tracked his iPhone to Tacoma, and then was shot at when he approached the vehicle. He shot back in self-defense. Uh, I'm guessing we'll get a whole lot more uh, information on this story because obviously all of those details are a little bit contradictory and somewhat sketchy as of now. But I don't know. I got to tell you, I was pretty shocked. When I saw that name yesterday, having met Sean Kemp a couple of times and sort of understanding his reputation, uh, he strikes me as such a gentle giant. So I, I'm very curious to see how this shakes out. And if you're the Tacoma police, better hope you have this 100% right before any any more information comes out, because I don't think you want to be embarrassing Sean Kemp. So uh, I'm not I don't know what's happened yet. I'm telling you that something has happened and that he was in custody. I'm very curious to see where this goes from here. Here's the third thing you need to know. Husky Hoops team failing to capture much attention this year, and now their season is over. They lose in round one of the Pac-12 tournament, beaten by Colorado. Might not be huge news in and of itself, but it does get a little bit bigger when you couple it with the fact that Jim Beheim is out at Syracuse after 45 years. So what does that mean for the future of Mike Hopkins? He's kind of bummed out about how the season ended. You know, I take full responsibility uh, for this season. I felt like... We had a chance to to really make some some steps with a lot of new guys, and I just couldn't get them to where we need them to be. It was a new team, um, had a lot of young talent uh, putting them together. I had a difficult deal, really disappointed for our fans, our alumni, our ex-players, the community of you know Seattle. Um, it's not our standard. 
Well, no, but unfortunately that's sort of been the case now for a few years. So I don't know. I don't know whether Syracuse is going to be interested in bringing him back. It would obviously get UW off the hook for a salary moving forward. But how enticing is a Pac-12 job for anybody right now? I mean, if you're out there trying to conduct a coaching search to replace Mike Hopkins, are coaches beating down your door to be in the Pac-12, not knowing whether you're going to even be on television in a couple of years? Very, very odd future for that program right now. Kraken will be back at it tonight at home against Ottawa. And then, yes, Geno Smith on Bump and Stacy at 1130 today. John Schneider will be on with Wyman and Bob at 6. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. I saw we were getting some texts after my tweet last night, Justin. Tonight was yeah, supposed to be awesome. It's a big one. Oh, I hate that it's even still in my calendar. Rage Against the Machine was supposed to be tonight. <sighs> tonight was the makeup date. Yeah. After it was 20- canceled during COVID. Oh. <laughs> I had tickets to two different shows for that. Isn't that just a just an absolute kick in the seat? Yeah. It's like, oh man, you see it show up on your calendar like Oh, that's what I was supposed to be doing tonight. And instead, you know, I'm chauffeuring my kids around. I've had worse. I mean, not worse. I'm not going to say worse. I've had lots of concerts canceled. That's happened. Never Rage Against the Machine. Well, right. And never like (laughs) drawn out over the course of what's essentially been four years. Yeah. Yeah. I've waited my entire life to see him. We're like, oh, they're back. Oh, you've never seen him? No, I've never seen him. So is that worse or is it worse that I know they're the best concert probably I've ever seen? Uh, yeah, but you've seen them. Twice. So you have that memory. Okay. I saw no, them twice. And this is not bad for On me. the Evil Empire tour, and they were unbelievable both times. Uh, first in what was essentially a high school gymnasium. You saw them at their peak. I really did. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, Evil Empire had just come out. They were playing still everything off of their first album, plus all the new stuff. Oh, I just sneaked Dude, it was unbelievable. that from a friend at school because my parents wouldn't let me have it. Like that. Wow. Loved it. Loved Rage Against. That's one of those albums, their first album, that I remember exactly where I was and what I was thinking when I first heard it. This kid played it for me and was like, hey, you got to hear this. This is all guitar. It's not sampled. It sounds like nothing you've ever heard. And he played me bomb track. And I was just like, excuse me. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. What is this and where do I find it? And I think I bought it like the next day. Seen Tom Morello a few times. He's great. Never seen Zach. (sighs) Ah. He was pretty awesome. Sorry, buddy. All right. Coming up next, uh, we had a conversation yesterday that may have changed some minds when it comes to the use of the number five pick in the draft. I think you're going to want to hear this. If you like Seahawks, if you're interested in quarterbacks, or you think that maybe there's room to do something else at number five, I think you're going to like what you hear next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I believe it's been a full year since Russell Wilson was traded. It was a year ago this morning. I was out sick. I'd been vomiting all morning. And right after our show ended, Russell was traded. Stacy announced it here on the air after Adam Schefter broke the story. I saw my guy Baker Bredman tweeting earlier that uh, he thought at the time that Schefter had been hacked and that somebody had, uh, you know, put a false report out there. But, you know, he probably wasn't the only one. I mean, there was a lot of doubt that that would actually we have any sound down. from that day. Oh, we got a ton. It? I'm oh, going to play it after oh. after this interview. So oh, really? we're going to talk to Matt Stinchcomb here in just a moment. But then I was sort of teasing the fact that we will get into some of the immediate reaction of, of what we thought would go down, what we thought that day and how everything has transpired. And then mm-hmm. Pete's reactions now a year later to what he's learned and some of the mistakes. So you were, were throwing up that day, that morning. Yeah, you were throwing up that morning. And that was my uh, day before my first 
first colonoscopy. Yes. So I was yeah. first. <laughs> Have you had more since? But no. Oh, okay. Oh, hopefully, just the first of your life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't far from the Big toilet. Day. Yeah. It was. So you and I on both ends of that. Hey, I turned forty-five Jeez. in a month Whoa. and a half. Okay. So. Anyhow, let's let's move on. Between us, we were like King Tut. All right. Matt Stitchcomb uh, from the SEC Network uh, joining us right now. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm a little concerned for for both of y'all. I hope you're hydrating. Yeah. Well, this was a year ago. We're doing better now. Toileting. Obviously. Yeah, hey. Okay. Uh, so help help us with some of these SEC quarterbacks because and, and there's some other SEC guys for us to talk about. But the Seahawks have this number five pick. Pete, pretty clear that their deal with Geno Smith yesterday will not preclude them from drafting a quarterback, and even brought up the number oh. five pick. Uh, let's assume that at that point they don't have a shot at either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, but that Richardson and Levis are both in play. If you were the Seahawks, would you take one of those two guys with the number five pick? No. Nope. I wouldn't take either one of those guys. I, I will say that you know coming into the season, um, a lot of the, the the scouts, you know, you hear this a lot, it's these, these scouts, these nameless, faceless scouts. I know a lot of them played with a lot of them. They're great guys. But you never seem to get a name with the scouts uh, at the beginning of the season, even at the end of the season. Did you hear about all these pro scouts and how high they were on these guys? And, and even at one point when people were talking about Richardson being like a top five pick. And uh, you know, the guys that cover the conference down here, guys that um, do games, and um, you know, we've seen some football, played with some good quarterbacks, um, and we're going, seriously? Really? Because at some point in time, you know, the actual performance beyond the, the measurables and even the intangibles, you think, don't you eventually have to, to put out some, some good-looking film, more than just a couple of good throws a game, if that? So I would say no on, on both of those. And I know that I think the what is the, the comp, uh, the, the justifier, if you will, that people burp out? It's the Josh Allen-type numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, not an overly competitive league, you know, didn't complete a ton of passes, you know, wasn't an efficient thrower and look at him now. And you're going, yep. Now name me a couple of others. Give me, give me a couple others that are kind of like that. Gives you pause. Definitely gives you pause. You know, the Levis kid and Anthony Richardson to a, a lesser extent, well, maybe even a greater extent, really, because he dealt with an entire coaching staff overhaul. You know, they didn't get the consistency year over year at play caller. I get that. Um, I get that uh, at receiver, um, it wasn't easy for them, especially uh, with the uh, exit of Wondell Robinson, a really good football player at the collegiate level, especially, and, and prospectively will be at the pro level. Um, that changes things. You know, who are you throwing to? Uh, what are you working with? Are you comfortable in the system? All those things. But that said, the number five pick, that's a that's a big swing, and in both of those guys, I think it's it would be uh, speculative at best, uh, risky, uh, probably at worst, maybe even wrongheaded. You know, it's it is fun, Matt Stitch, come here with us to get in the building. I mean, that's one of the advantages of doing the job as as an analyst. And Matt, you do it down there at the SEC Network. You've seen these guys. I know back to back weeks you had Anthony Richardson. But it's one of the things that I've always loved in my 14 years of being on the road. And you and I will text on the road and talk about different circumstances and situations because, well, the locker room doesn't lie. And many times that football office doesn't lie. You get a much better vibe and a much better feel than maybe sometimes even that tape totally shows. 
So when you were in the building a couple times, uh, and, and I don't know if both of Anthony's games were at home or on the road or, 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 may, or maybe one of each, but when you were in the building, did you get the sense, yep, this is a franchise QB. Yep, this is one at the NFL level you build around. Yep, this is one that this entire building and everybody believes because he elevates everybody around him. No. And, but that's not to say that there was any detraction. Um, and so I preface it with it, and you're exactly right. Um, it is different, you know, when you're kind of boots on the ground. So we had a home game, we had an away game. And the coaching staff, they, they spoke glowingly of Anthony Richardson. Um, but just to imply, I did not get even the impression, even remotely, you know, this guy's anywhere close to a finished product. Now, the hard part now, and maybe always, is, you know, so you're walking a tightrope if you're inside those buildings, right, if you're the coaches. You don't want to badmouth your guy, and you definitely want them to go high because it elevates the profile of your program. But then you also kind of want him to stay, right, if he's got another year of eligibility, which he, of course, did. Um, and so, you know, there's definitely a conflict of, of interest <laughs> Uh, even internally for the folks in those buildings where you're like, hmm, yeah, you're, y'all are in kind of a tough spot, right? You don't want to talk them up too much. You mess around and, and overstate things and doggone if he doesn't leave. But, you know, if you, if you speak even and hint at disparagingly and then maybe that hurts his draft status and now you don't have another face and number to slap up on the wall and say, hey, look at our number one picks and, and all the things, you know, career earnings uh, for recruiting purposes. I like Billy Napier a lot. Um, he's been around some really good football players. He liked Anthony Richardson uh, quite a bit. He also uh, made it clear to us that there's work to be done. And it didn't seem disingenuous in any way um, uh, to say, you know, maybe we could carry the mail for him, which we, of course, wouldn't have, to get him to come back. It, it did seem authentic. And, and let's be real, guys, the guy had, what, four or five games of less than 50% completion percentage. I mean, there aren't many games in his career where you're going, wow, as a passer, this guy looked really good. What was the best game? Maybe the Vanderbilt game and a loss to Vanderbilt. Hmm. This is really a Florida team that probably should have finished the year with four wins. Quarterbacks get too much of the credit and too much of the blame. So but they probably should have finished with four. So, so it's just, you got to go, I don't know, what do you get? So let me, first of all, definitely we're talking to an SEC guy when you drop a dog on. That, oh, that's doggone. a, that we know that we've gone doggone SEC same. heavy. less than 50% half his game. <laughs> all right. And we're going to be better than that. Well, there's no reason to imitate the poor guy. That's just not very nice. But, um. Oh, that's a terrible impression. I know. Brock's not good at impressions at all. That wasn't Matt That was a southerner down there. You know, down there on the bayou down there. I mean, you can't complete 50% of your passes. You can't play in the SEC. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, see, now you're veering in. That's very ACC of you. It's very Bobby Bowden what you're doing right, right. And, and he's more of a daggum he's not much of a doggone oh right? i didn't i guess i didn't even think about the difference that's well, just how northern i am and then he got programs down there <laughs> all right and programs, programs. Well, let me go. programs they're all programs <laughs> what about the tennessee program and the guy who was leading that program last year another sec quarterback that you may have had some eyes on that's hendon hooker and he's probably not a, a possibility at number five, maybe at number 20, but he's a name we've heard connected as a, as a second round pick. Does he have any of that it factor that would make you say, hey, with a second round pick for a team that has two of them, maybe he could take the reins over a year or two and eventually become a franchise NFL quarterback? 
Yeah, maybe. You know, that that guy definitely has a better track record. He's got a more extensive career, uh, two different programs. Although one was an ACC program, so I don't even know if that if they're even analogous one to the other. But the the does have uh, at least a, a winning uh, pedigree that extends beyond that, and they did lean heavily uh, on Hendon Hooker, especially after the snap. Uh, a lot of people talk about how simple that offense is because they'll have a, a live side and a dead side to the formation, you know, the, similar to the the Baylor offenses uh, from you know earlier in the uh, in the decade. But to me, um, the leadership capacity that he has, uh, and certainly uh, the the tangible elements of it, um, is a mobile quarterback. Is not an every down type runner. Didn't rely on his legs, but could use them. Um, and demonstrated, especially in the early part of the season, uh, a, a remarkable deep ball. Um, so to me, this is a guy that you could at least point to. Does he have as much upside? You know, maybe not. You know, he, he's not whatever Anthony Richardson is. What he's Richardson's like a defensive end. Yep. You know, he's it's Cam Newtony kind of guy where you're going. There's just not a lot of guys running around that look like that. Hendon Hooker doesn't have that same stature. That said. Look at his games and look at his production and look at the role that he had to play in his offenses and how much of it was actually within the system, regardless of how sophisticated that system is or is not to the NFL versus snap the ball, one read. I'm not going to say panic, but I will say flush, extend with your legs, and then just be better than everybody else on the field. Good job. You know, second down. That wasn't Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker was, I can operate within this system. If it doesn't work, if I can fix this play call with my athleticism, sure. Um, but I think he's he's definitely a reach at five. The only thing that you could justify those Richardson-type conversations is because you're going, man, ton of runway in front yeah. of this guy. Hooker wouldn't have that same comment. Yeah. But there's no question coming out of college, who's the more impressive of the two quarterbacks? I don't even think that's a conversation. Uh, do you ever get called Matthew, or are you always just Matt? Uh, nobody even, you know, everybody just calls me Stench, which stench. is, okay. you know, it comes with his own baggage. Yeah, I love that. So Stench, final, uh, final question here. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. Not easy to do, but you're really good at being a nimble left tackle, blocking any question your way. Jalen mm-hmm. Carter, Jalen Carter in six weeks gets drafted where? Round and round and pick. I'd take him one. Would you really? I'd take him one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, to me, you, you look at is the Is this guys, your Georgia Bulldog? Oh, is this people your Georgia... know, where did you go to college? Yeah, is this your Bulldog coming out? Oh, that's cute. Don't be lazy, guys. Don't be lazy. So, so if you watch this guy play, which I assume that you all have, uh, th- there's not a talent that we've seen. Now, I will say that the, the caveat I put on it is, and this is not a Todd McShay-type comment, which – to date, remains un, unsubstantiated, is the effort level, at times, he almost looked disinterested. You wonder, is that because you are just head and shoulders better than everybody else on the field? Is that what it is? And so you can flip a switch, and it, in college you could probably get away with that. Very few could get away with it on Sundays. Maybe. But otherwise, when he wanted to play, I'm hard-pressed to think of a more dominant player at his position. People say, like, Sue, 
Uh, maybe I think Carter is a superior athlete to Sue. He might be not as powerful, but he's a superior athlete, especially on third downs. You can play him all the way from edge to edge. You could play him on the edge if you wanted to, and he did. And wouldn't be conceding a whole lot. I mean, is is he a speed rusher? No, no, he's not. But, you know, face a Sean Payton-type offense, speed rushers aren't going to get home anyway. Pocket's too shallow. So he's just – he's a guy that can win inside out. And if you can get a guy that can win inside out consistently, that changes things, especially on money downs, the passing downs. And to me, Jalen Carter is that guy. I, I don't know of another guy that looks like that. Wow. All right. Well, this is this is certainly opening my eyes in uh, some different ways. So uh, very, very interesting stuff. That's what Matt does. From Stinch. I appreciate uh-huh. that. And uh, thank you for helping with some of the translation. I know Brock tried to drag you into more of a Bayou kind of conversation. <laughs> Do you know what Ed Orgeron's saying here? And I'm glad you wanted to have that Rafa Salafusha who never got past number one. <laughs> Do you understand that? Do you speak Orgeron? You know, if you gave me a few minutes to just step out and slam my head in the car door a couple of times, I think that there's a chance I could figure out what he said. I did decipher a number one right there, I think, there towards the end. I'll let you know, Brandon Stokely came on this air and immediately knew exactly what Orgeron was saying there. So, I, you know. (laughs) Can I challenge you on that? Because if nobody knows, did, did, did Coach Orgeron? Say that he got it right because he's the only one that knows what he's saying. <laughs> it's kind of like the lyrics right. to Yellow Lead Better. Right. I mean, it's kind of the same. John Emery, <laughs> a great young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Right. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference. <laughs> never, never gets old. That's Stitch. an old timer. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks for the insight and uh, great, great stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Doggone it, guys. Thanks. <laughs> So did you guys enjoy Stinch yesterday? I did. I didn't really know a lot about him uh, ahead of time. That was a uh, Brock Heward. Uh, he brought that to the table. Actually, we were going to talk to him Tuesday, right? Excuse me. And then the the, uh, the Gino, Gino stuff came happened. down. I was like, well, you have to push this back a day. So we did. We pushed back a day and talked to him Let's yesterday. Let's give Gino his day before we start talking about drafting another quarterback. He got one day. <laughs> he got one day. Oh, cool. Gino's here. Three years, 75 mil. Who's next? Well, blame Pete. He's the one that left the door open for us to keep talking about. It. I mean, he didn't just leave it open. He essentially propped Invited. it open with a, yeah, yeah. exactly. He started waving people through. So, yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. Um, it is interesting as you start thinking about your quarterback options, right? I mean, I think we've sort of talked through, what, five guys? Is that sort of where we're at? Five quarterbacks in the first two rounds that we have found interesting? Right, obviously Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, the thought being that neither will be available. Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, sort of your two project physical freaks and you know maybe don't have quite the same production. And then Hendon Hooker, likely to be a second rounder. After that, it feels like you're sort of out of the second round, and now you're talking about third, fourth round quarterbacks, whether it's you know DTR or some of the other folks that might be available. Did you say Will Anderson but mean Will Levis? Yes. Okay. Did I say that? Maybe my brain I might have. I might have put, uh, you know, don't worry about it. Gotcha. Just just don't worry. Just you know what I mean. Yeah. But I, I might have. Anderson. Yesterday you were. It's the Anderson Richardson yeah, thing that's bothering were, me. That was giving you Sorry. It's Anderson Richardson. And I, I you know, <laughs> what, okay. what do you want in my life? That's okay. It's I an thought an, you said Levis, but maybe I fixed it, it in my brain. Honestly, I think I combined. You know what? Just don't worry about well, it. You know what I meant? <laughs> I don't see a lot of reason to Here, spend time on this. we'll just play a little. I made a drop. This was my favorite part of Please do, yes. Don't be lazy, guys. No. Don't be lazy. <laughs> well, I'm being a little lazy. Sorry about <laughs> That's that. That's my new favorite drop. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. On the other hand, 
I mean, he did go to Georgia and said that Jalen Carter should be the number one overall pick. So, like, whether it's lazy or not, there seemed to be just a just a, a fair question of, of bias. A bias yeah, yeah, just a just a little bit. So, interestingly, uh, after our conversation at six, I just threw up another. I'm I'm all into the Seahawks quarterback polls today. Yeah, I see this. So I threw up another one. If you do want the Seahawks to draft a quarterback, should they a draft the best available for them at number five, b wait until the second round, kind of hedge their bet, which is probably a, a Hendon Hooker or whomever else. C, trade up. Go get the quarterback you think is actually the best one in this draft. Or D, shut up, Mike. Just forget a quarterback and draft four defensive guys with your first four picks. Uh, that one's leading. Yes, that was leading. <laughs> that one's leading. Uh, with They're just 40... going to see shut up, Mike, and pick that one. Well, it doesn't actually say shut up, Mike. Oh, I wrote okay. quarterback. Are you crazy? Draft four defensive players in the first two rounds. And that is leading. You're right, with 42%. But not, I mean, so it's got a plurality, but it's not a majority, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if that's the case, 50, you know, 8% of people, I'm sorry, 52% of people are still saying that they should, or 58% of people are saying that you should draft quarterback. So that's still more than half. They just want to do it in three different ways. Interestingly, nobody wants to trade up. It was at zero for a while. Now it's finally up to 5%. And that, I don't know, maybe that surprises me. Maybe because you just think the Seahawks have so many needs and you've gone in on Geno at least a little bit. There's no sense in giving up more value to get the quarterback that you want. But look, if if the difference is extreme, I mean, you're looking at it and everybody seems to say the first two quarterbacks are head and shoulders above the next two. Because they have physical traits, and by the way, they can they, they they've done it, right? We've seen C.J. Stroud do it. He was the most accurate passer. We have seventy percent. What does Pete value, Justin? You did some of that research yesterday. What is Pete like? Uh, convert on third down. Yep. Throw the occasional deep ball. Yep. And protect inaccuracy, protect the ball. Yeah. There you go. I mean, C.J. Stroud does a lot of that, right? Bryce Young, just so smart. Right, head and shoulders, right? Literally head above his shoulders. So smart, right? Has done it, won a national championship at Alabama. If you think those two guys who were a little bit more of a sure thing than either of your next two options, meaning Levis or Richardson, what's the harm in trading up? All right, you're you're gonna miss out on one other player. That's true, maybe two, I don't know. But if the difference is extreme and you think you're getting the guy. I mean, if they if they see that as a difference, right, if Pete or John probably even more so, right, says, you know what, one of these two guys is the next Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. I'm in love. Would you be upset if they traded up for him? What if they didn't even need to trade up to number one? What if they only had to trade up a spot or two? It goes so against their nature that we've seen in drafts that, yes, I would trust if they did that, that they had a reason. Right. I mean, like, I'm not saying it's necessarily the goal here, but if you're in love and you think the quarterback of the future is in this draft and right now he's not going to fall to you at five, I'm sorry. Like, I I do think that you have to very seriously consider what it takes because you have resources. You are one of the few teams who has an ability to go up and do it. So I don't know whether they're going to. I don't know how John views these quarterbacks specifically or whether those two guys are head and shoulders. But maybe he prefers one of the guys that could fall to him at five. Maybe he didn't like any of them. Maybe we're going to see Hendon Hooker in the second round. Maybe they say this class stinks and you get like a fifth rounder and next year maybe is the year you try to go get your guy. I don't know. We'll wait and find out obviously at the draft. But 
I'm not telling you you should trade up for a quarterback. I want to be clear about that. I'm not sitting here saying trade up to get a quarterback. What I am saying is if you love one of the quarterbacks that isn't going to be available for you, you should do everything in your power to go get him. Get your guy. That's all. And you've got unusual resources this year to be able to do it. So he's mentioned it several times, right? Which is also like he, he never tips his hand. He is so careful about that kind of thing. But in the way he's talking about this is, I don't know. It's just throwing me off a little bit. But why wouldn't he though? Because you want other, other teams, teams to want, to, you want so everybody to, yeah. to think it, it could be part of the dance. It could be some smoke. It yeah. could mean something. Or it could mean smoke. that he yeah. just likes these quarterbacks and like he likes talking about it. That's another thing with ha- being this close to the front of the draft. It's just part of what you you have, have to. to there are a lot of smoke screens so and we're, stuff. We're not going to know. Did uh, did listening to um, Stinchcomb yesterday? Did it make you nervous about the two guys that might be available at five? Richardson and Levis. I would think so. I mean, we just play you that entire interview, but yeah, you know, we asked him about those two guys, and he basically said no, just flat no, no, thank you. Would you take either of those guys at number five? No. Right <laughs> there, he is. I can play you the other thirty-seven <laughs> seconds of this cut, but the way he says it that way, do you need to hear more? No. Right. <laughs> just flat no. Nope. Nope. I don't take either one of those guys. No, thank you. I, I will say that, you know, coming into the season. He goes on from there. You don't care about all those reasons. All you care is what he just said. No. Nope. I don't think so. <laughs> he wouldn't take either of those guys at number five. Does that concern you at all? That a guy who SEC watched them bias. in the SEC for the last few years, who generally SEC guys think that the world, you know, ends at the borders of the SEC, right? Oh, he's an SEC guy. Yeah, you should take him. He's really good. He just flat out said no. No, thanks. Quite frankly, he liked Hendon Hooker better than those two guys. That guy definitely has a better track record. He's got a more extensive career, uh, two different programs. Although one was an ACC program, so I don't even know if that if they're even analogous one to the other. He does have uh, at least a, a winning uh, pedigree that extends beyond that. And they did lean heavily uh, on Hendon Hooker, especially after the snap. So you can go through it and, and go back and listen to Stinch because he really had some good insight as to these quarterbacks. But I got to tell you, I'm I'm looking at, at the options here and it's still early. I'm not committing to anything, but interesting to me that so few people would even think about trading up, especially if John Schneider's in love with one of the guys that isn't going to be available for them at number five. I guess the point overall I'm trying to make to sum all this up before Brock steps in, everything should be on the table right now. Everything should be on the table. Mm -hmm. You should absolutely think about a quarterback at five. You should absolutely think about waiting to the second round. You should absolutely think about forgetting about a quarterback and just taking defensive players with your first four picks. And yes, you should at least think about trading up if the quarterback you love isn't going to be there.